Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this impromptu version of Into the Prey, Breaching the Chaos of the Church with Nick and Mary Franks. This is an unusual episode today because I'm on holiday. Mary and I are away, and we'd been due to resume our teaching on 1 Corinthians, City of Temples, next Sunday. But today I'm just sat here and felt I needed to do an impromptu version. It won't be long, but it does have one clear thought that I hope will be a blessing and uh, unifying as well in terms of a connection with our focus of 1 Corinthians and sessions with Dave Brennan on Wednesdays. We've previously, we've in those sessions with Dave, we've read Psalm 106 together and it just so happens that my reading today is that same Psalm, Psalm 106. And so I'm just going to read the Psalm for you now, for you to listen to, read along with, reflect on, prayerfully absorb. And then one question at the end that I want to just leave with us all listening to these podcasts each week. So this is Psalm 106, and I'm going to read in the version that I'm reading, which is the Amplified version. So Psalm 106. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy and loving kindness endure forever. Who can put into words and tell the mighty deeds of the Lord? Or who can show forth all the praise that is due to him? Blessed are those who observe justice and who do right and are in right standing with God at all times. Earnestly remember me, O Lord, when your favour, when you favour your people. O visit me also when you deliver them and grant me your salvation, that I may see and share the welfare of your chosen ones, and that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. We have sinned, as did also our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Our fathers in Egypt understood not, nor appreciated your miracles. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, nor imprint your loving kindness, but they were rebellious and provoked the Lord at the sea, even at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake to prove the righteousness of the divine character that he might make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea also and it dried up. So, He led them through the depths as through a pasture land. And he saved them from the hand of him that hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the Egyptian enemy. And the waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them was left. Then Israel believed his words, trusting in, relying on them. They sang his praise, but they hastily forgot his works. They did not earnestly wait for his plans to develop regarding them, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted and tried to restrain God with their insistent desires in the desert. And he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their souls and thinned their numbers by disease and death. They envied Moses Moses also in the camp and Aaron, the high priest, the Holy One of the Lord. Therefore the earth opened and swallowed up Dathan and closed over the company of Abiram. 
and a fire broke out in their company. The flame burned up the wicked. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped a molten image. Thus they exchanged him who was their glory for the image of an ox that eats grass. They traded their honour for the image of a calf. They forgot God their saviour who had done such great things in Egypt Wonders and miracles in the land of Ham, dreadful and awesome things at the Red Sea. Therefore he said he would destroy them, and he would have done so had not Moses, his chosen one, stepped into the breach before him to turn away his threatening wrath. Then they spurned and despised the pleasant and desirable land. They believed not his word, neither trusting in relying on nor holding to it. But they murmured in their tents and hearkened not to the voice of the Lord. Therefore he lifted up his hand as if taking an oath against them that he would cause them to fall in the wilderness, cast out their descendants among the nations and scatter them in the lands of the earth. They joined themselves also to the idol Baal of Peor and ate sacrifices offered to the lifeless idols, to the lifeless gods. Thus they provoked the Lord to anger with their practices and a plague broke out among them. Then stood up Phineas the priest and executed judgment and so the plague was stayed and that was credited to him for righteousness to all generations forever. They angered the Lord also at the waters of Meribah so that it went ill with Moses for their sakes. For they provoked Moses' spirit so that he spoke unadvisedly with his lips. They did not destroy the heathen nations as the Lord commanded them, but mingled themselves with the idolatrous nations and learned their ways and works and served their idols, which were a snare to them. Yes, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons and shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and of their daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with their blood. Thus were they defiled by their own works, and they played the harlot and practiced idolatry with their own deeds. Therefore was the wrath of the Lord kindled against his people in so much that he abhorred and rejected his own heritage. And he gave them into the hands of the heathen nations, and they that hated them ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them, and they were brought into subjection under the hand of their foes. Many times did God deliver them, but they were rebellious in their counsel and sank low through their iniquity. Nevertheless, he regarded their distress when he heard their cry. And he earnestly remembered for their sake his covenant and relented their sentence of evil, comforting and easing himself according to the abundance of his mercy and loving kindness, when they cried out to him.
He also caused Israel to find sympathy among those who had carried them away captive. Deliver us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in praising you. Bless, blessed, affectionately and gratefully praised be the Lord, the God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting and let all the people say Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. My simple question for us this morning, anyone reading along with me in that psalm, is verse 44. We've had this outlined trace of the unfaithfulness of the ancient fathers of the patriarchs and of the people of Israel, the covenant people of Israel and the Mosaic covenant. And, you know, we've seen that culminate as we've referenced in previous podcasts. In verse 37, yes, they sacrificed their sons and daughters. And the Lord came to abhor and reject his own heritage in verse 40. And then in verse 44, this is the point of today. Nevertheless, he regarded their distress when he heard their cry. And verse 45, and he earnestly remembered for their sake his covenant and relented their sentence of evil, comforting and easing himself according to the abundance of his mercy and loving kindness when they cried out to him. Verse 44, nevertheless, he regarded their distress when he heard their cry. And verse 45, when they cried out to him. The question is, are we crying out to him? Individually and corporately, it's important to think about things individually and corporately. Verse 25 But they murmured in their tents and hearkened not to the voice of the Lord. But they murmured in their tents and hearkened not to the voice of the Lord. What an opportunity lockdown has been for us all to change this. Have we been murmuring in our tents and not hearkening to the voice of the Lord? Our personal tents are corporate tents. And to keep it as simple as I can this morning, verse 44. Nevertheless, he regarded their distress when he heard their cry. Are we crying personally, corporately? Are we crying? Verse 29. They were murmuring in their tents and not hearkening. And then verse 29, they, they, thus they provoked the Lord to anger with their practices, and a plague broke out among them. I don't need to say anything else about that this morning, but I do want to reiterate this question. Are we crying? If you're a church leader, are you crying? If you're a church leader, are you provoking your people to cry? If you're leading a church, if you're a Christian leader, spiritual leader, are you causing the people of God, to forsake all else and to be bowed penitently in prayer and crying for the Lord to deliver his people 
Are you crying personally at home or are you murmuring in your tent, not hearkening to the voice of the Lord? I encourage everybody today that this is the thought, okay? If we're not crying, if there is no national repentance, then we all suffer personally. Imagine what would happen if the nation repented. Imagine what God might do, what God would do, indeed what God will do when a nation repents and how that will affect directly our tents, our individual private homes, our places of spiritual refuge and the connection between the personal and the and the public, the private and the corporate is very, very intimate. And if the people of God do not cry, uh, verse 44, nevertheless, he regarded their distress when he heard their cry. Is there a cry? Where is the cry? I don't hear a cry. Do you hear a cry? Do you hear a cry from those around you? Do you hear a cry from the collective whole? Where else do you hear a cry like the cry that would cause the Lord to regard their distress despite the gross unfaithfulness? What kind of cry is it that's required for the Lord to respond? So I want to just leave you with that simple thought this morning that perhaps the cry corporately will begin when there's more cries personally, privately, the kind of cry that recognises the unfaithfulness that would lead the people of God to sacrifice their sons and their daughters to demons and for there perhaps to be nothing said about it. So Lord, we do thank you now that you are the kind of God who considers the kind of cries that you regard as worthy, the kind of cry that is distress, not just at the consequences of sin, but of the very presence of sin. And that you relent and that your mercies are new every day and that we thank you this morning, Father, for Jesus. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for everything that you've afforded and blessed us with. And Lord, we do recognise today that there is a need for a cry. There's a need for a cry to emerge privately in our own tents, but also corporately as a nation where we have done wickedly. And so Lord, I pray this morning for that cry to emerge by your spirit. In Jesus' precious name, amen.